You can't ride in my little red wagon. You can't ride in my little red wagon. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Chugga, 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 chugga. Suck it, verse, suck it, verse. A whole lot louder and a whole lot. What's up, y'all? This is Nick Bartlett. I'm a broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer over at OregonSportsNews.com. And I've had over 50 articles featured in the Seattle Post-Intelliger. And this is going to be a Sports Pack 12 original, The Nick Bartlett Show. So this is going to be a run-of-the-mill sports show talking about Pac-12, hot topics of the week. And one thing I want to stress is that I'm not much different than you guys. Seriously, I work a day job. My opinion is no more valuable than yours. And I'm just grateful for your viewership, your listenership. And without further ado, let's get straight to some Pac-12 action. Thanks for tuning in. I all feel like we need to take a deep breath after what's happened in the last week. We've had some football, we've had some cancellations, and Pac-12 is certainly in an interesting place right now, and I completely understand that and understand that a lot of fan bases may be feeling confused right now. But another deep sigh of relief here, because today I get to talk about actual football guys. Not preseason polls, not opt-ins, not opt-outs, actual touchdowns and missed field goals. Today we're going to focus our emphasis on the two power teams in conference in Oregon and USC. For the smaller teams in the pack, I will give you a little shine. Honestly, I can't even promise that. I don't know if you're going to get any shine today. But I really do want to say in regards to the little teams, throughout the season, I will give you a little more airtime. But due to the shortened season, we got to hop right into the college football playoff discussions from week one. It, it just It is what it is, guys. The season's so different that we don't necessarily have times to talk about, or excuse me, have the time to talk about every single matchup. We need to immediately focus on who can win the national championship because in the end, that's why they play the game. So again, for all the smaller teams, I will give you a little bit more shine as the season goes on. But today's episode is really going to focus in on Oregon and USC. So instead of analyzing games that you've already watched, I'm going to take a general look at the state of the programs going forward and maybe take a quick look at some of the upcoming matchups in week two. And oh yeah, guys, oh yeah, as always, we've got Bartlett's random topic of the day. We've discussed my love for oatmeal, me being drunk in college. We've also got how do people whiten their teeth? Do you guys know the answer to that? Today's topic will be much simpler and much more important, and it's actually going to take on a little bit more serious tone this week, and we're going to pay tribute to our veterans. So... That's our rundown for today's show. But before we get into football, God bless football back then. Oh, football's back. It would seriously be unprofessional if I didn't address the canceled games and how that affects the conference in totality. All I'll say is I've made an impassioned rant about how I felt about the 2020 college football season in episode two or three of this show. I made my stance very clear and I'll leave it at that. If you want to hear that episode, reach out to me on Twitter and I'll send you the link. 
I understand y'all may be frustrated about the cancellations. I hear you. I hear you. But I said everything I needed to say in that previous episode. So if you want to hear that again, just holler at me on Twitter and I'll send you the link. Getting that out of the way, let's talk about the actual football games we do have. And today we're going to start my analysis on the USC Trojans. So, whew, got a little fire here. I'm excited to talk about football. And a win is a win, but that was truly an embarrassing performance. This team has no business being in the college football playoff. Again, I'm talking about the USC Trojans. No business being in the college football playoff. And to say otherwise would be complete favoritism. I respect ASU's program, in particular their coaching staff, but if it takes a miracle onside kick and three, count them, three fourth down conversions to beat the Sun Devils at home, then USC cannot be considered a playoff contender. No chance in the world. They're not even close. I've been a Clay Helton defender all along, but this is where I slowly start to drift to the other side. Your team lucked out not playing Alabama in the opener. Excuse me, not playing Alabama. You'd Alabama schedule if the whole COVID thing didn't happen. And you perform like that against ASU? That's completely unacceptable. Completely. If USC is indeed the best team in the South, that division is not performing up to Pac-12 standards. At all. So, where there's some negatives, we do some positives. And a lot more negatives with my analysis with USC today. We're going to start grading them real tough. But I do want to say there are a couple things I really do want to say that were positive. I would like to note that Drake London, Amon Ross St. Brown, and uh, Tyler Vaughns should prove the best trio of wideouts in the conference with maybe the exception of Oregon's bunch. And quarterback Keaton Slovis made the plays when it mattered most, including that absolutely surgical dime he dropped into London to win the game on 4th and 9. But again, all around, I was not impressed by the Trojans at all. And if their fan base wants to hold Clay Helton to college football playoff standards, I'm going to measure the program on this exact same barometer. Bottom line is, with the exception of their passing attack, their running back still didn't impress. I mean, Veve Malapé on the last drive after the onside kick showed a little bit of heart, but their running backs didn't impress. Their defense is still improving, and this is not an elite team in the nation. It's just not. Now, we will... Get a couple more positives in here. <laughs> Trojan fans probably mad. I told you football's back. Y'all can get mad at me again. It's, it's fun. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. So let's get back to analysis here, though. Their defense did well, but stopping ASU without their best receiver in Frank Darby, that doesn't tell us anything. Let's be honest. ASU lost five offensive linemen from last year. Brandon Ayuk and Ano Benjamin. And the loss of Frank Darby in the game, I mean, that's just way too much to overcome. Weak offense, so again, the defense did do well. But to say that this really proves anything, it doesn't. It just doesn't. And on a positive note, though, I guess there are a couple more. I really do love the way safety Talano Hufanga plays. He's seemingly always in the right place at the right time. Forget cliches, I hate that crap. He's just that guy, you know what I'm saying? He just... Knocks down passes when it's needed. Third and seven. That's the most random down. He's going to go make an interception on kind of a random play. Just hanging around the ball kind of like a hawk. Sometimes, damn, did I just use another cliche? <laughs> okay. Anyways, Talano Hufanga is seriously always in the right place at the right time. And a player like that could prove invaluable going forward. And at the safety position, his high IQ is really important. 
Safety can be considered the quarterback of the defense. A lot of people don't realize that. So his IQ and his playmaking ability could really help the Trojans. I really like Talano Hufanga. In regards to next week's game, no analysis needed. I mean, they better beat the Wildcats for more than 21 points. No excuses. I mean, if they don't beat AZ by a 21 gems, they need to beat them by 28. I mean, USC needs to perform better. I I was thoroughly just, I don't want to say disgusted, but that is not a USC Trojan team that we're accustomed to seeing. I guess they've been down for a long time, but it does seem like the media, myself included, we always put USC on this pedestal. And yeah, they won the game, but you come out and perform like that. You don't deserve to be called an elite team. ASU looked better for 58 minutes. You're lucky to you escape with a victory. Let's get on to the Ducks. Okay, so as I kind of... take, I'll take a deep breath now. Okay, so as I kind of just said there, or definitely said, the Pac-12's only chance of making the college football playoff is now the Oregon Ducks. And this isn't only because of USC's tough day. I mean, it was a win, so many people consider it a good day, but I consider it tough. But with the cancellation of UW, Cal, and Utah's respective matchups, any of these teams making the college football playoff is unlikely. And it's as simple as that. You can't have a team who's only played six games in the college football playoff. Seven is stretching it. Again, Oregon being the only hope. But six, that's that's just that's not cool to the other conferences. UW, Cal, and Utah, tough, but it is what it is. These freaking cliches, man. I'm going to start reading some books and get some new cliches. So, like I said, Oregon is our only hope. And Ducks fans are probably laughing at my analysis of USC, thinking y'all bums. <laughs> Guess what? You're not getting off that easy either. Maybe not quite as impassioned, but not getting off that easy. Oregon also didn't have the looks of a team who was going to make the college football playoff. They had an extremely slow start, had untimely turnovers, and lucked out that Jet Toner had a nightmarish 0-4 day kicking field goals. Keep your head up, kid. Keep your head up. They also struggled up front as two separate Stanford backs almost eclipsed the 100-yard mark. And on top of that, Stanford's potential savior at quarterback Davis Mills was inactive for the game due to COVID protocols, and this threw Jack West in the fire, who wasn't ready for the big stage. So, all those factors considered, it's kind of exactly what many media outlets believed Oregon would look like at the beginning of the year in regards to the inconsistent passing attack. So, I do want to say there were some holes in Oregon, and as we're holding USC at that college football playoff standard, we're holding Oregon at the same standard. So, yes, there were some inconsistencies in the passing game. Tough turnover, interception thrown by Shuck early in the game. And again, didn't really perform up to standards. Did luck out that, again, Toner had a really tough day kicking field goals. But with all that being said, what's fair is fair. And the Ducks did look like an elite team and by far the best team in the pack out of the teams we saw in week number one. The running back combination of CJ Verdell and Travis Dye is going to be near impossible for most teams to stop in the conference. The defense showed their dominance throughout the game, allowing Shuck to find his rhythm that was vitally important. And it may be expected, some things are just expected when you get to that elite caliber, but seriously, the defense did really well after Jones ran all over them to start the game. Granted, West isn't Mills, but you play whoever's on the opposite side of that green chalky field. 
and they got the job done. I mean, Stanford's offense really struggled with the exception of a couple balls to Sammy Fajoko in the second half. I mean, their defense really performed very well. They looked like that elite defense that was promised, even with some of the opt-outs in the secondary. I was also impressed with some of the catches the receivers made hopping over the other side of the ball here. So I really was impressed with some of the catches the receivers made, but I will need to see more before I can consider this group elite. And when I'm talking about elite wideout, the best analysis I can give, you guys, I'm from Seattle, so sorry for the regional reference. When DK Metcalf joined the Seahawks, they need a guy like that. And if you're looking for a college comparison, think of a Michael Pittman Jr. last year for USC. Whether you're talking NFL or college, when you have a receiver like that who can create separation and just, just you can throw the ball up and it doesn't matter. Like, you're under pressure. The worst thing that's going to happen is the ball is going to get batted down because your receiver is really athletic and will just, you know, bat the ball down. And for a quarterback, this is such a security blanket. When the opposing team brings a quick blitz, even though everyone in the freaking stadium knows slant is being called, when you have an elite receiver, it doesn't matter. This is what ASU did last year, Brandon Ayuk. This is what Colorado did last year, LaVisca Chenault. When you have a guy like that, it's just such an ability to change the game and Receivers often get the raps of prima donnas, especially at the highest level, but they can change the game. I'd argue more so than any other position in one play. One speed burst, 80 yard touchdown, gone. One pass over the top, gone. So with that being stated, Johnny Johnson the third has to be the guy if Yo's offense is going to reach their full potential. He shows glimpses. I don't know if he has that elite burst per se but he has shown glimpses of greatness i'd like to see more consistency out of him i know he struggled from drops early in his career i'm not even talking about that his hands have improved tenfold but in terms of the athletic ability once i see him against like a u-dub or cal secondary really not cal really u-dub secondary then i think i'll be able to get a better picture of how good johnson really is because again we're holding oregon or the ducks to the playoff to the college football playoff standards. And if Johnson can't create space against us, he's cornerbacks, which granted are some of the best in the country. Well, how do you expect him to do so against the lead teams in conference, whether it's Alabama, Clemson, I guess Clemson went down last week, Notre Dame, whoever it may be. I mean, there's a lot of lead teams out there, Ohio state. So I really want to see a little bit more out of Johnson, but he did look good and he did look good. A quick summary here of where Oregon currently stands is that in most seasons, they would have done exactly what they needed to do. That was the, I love when you have those weird red sentences. What's that? So let's go back to the summary. So essentially, Oregon did exactly what they needed to do in most seasons. They beat a solid program. They played well in the opener and they protected home turf comfortably. However, this is 2020 and due to the shortened schedule, they needed to do better, especially against a backup quarterback. I mean, Dave, what's his name? Jack West? Yeah, his name is Jack West. Jack West is not Davis Mills. Davis Mills at one point was the highest rated quarterback in the country in whatever class he was. Seriously, he was rated higher than Tua Tagovailoa. So Davis Mills being out, I mean, that hurts. They needed to do better against a backup, plain and simple. They're not eliminated from the college football playoff. But they'll need to blow out every team for the rest of the year for a realistic shot at making the college football playoff. 
And what this week one game did is it really stresses the next matchup. They play WSU and Pullman, and they've actually lost the Cougars surprisingly a couple times over the last five years. And last year, they barely won on a last-second comeback. This is not going to be enough in 2020. This is a shortened season. They need to blow out the Cougs. Same thing I said about USC. WCU's program is obviously a little bit better state than Arizona's is right now. But Oregon, I'd say, needs a 21-point victory and not one of those 21-point victories where it was close in the fourth quarter. They need to coast. They need to dominate. They need to find their rhythm from the get-go. Week one, you can give them a little bit of leeway, especially given this extremely long, longer than normal break. What has it been? 18, 19 months since the kids have last hit the field. But you're in week two now. You need to come out hot. You need to dominate the Cougs. That is it. If Oregon wants to make a college football playoff, no more slow starts. Everything needs to be crisp, flawless, and dominant from here on out. I believe they may have the talent to do so, but it needs to be seen on the field. In regards to Shuck, I'm not going to analyze a quarterback after one game. That, that's highly unprofessional. In my opinion, that's highly unprofessional. So we'll just have to wait and see how he performs going forward. The kind of one takeaway I can say is that he had more mobility than I expected. But he's not that mobile, guys. Yeah, he, he had that really cool run. He had that tight run where he like span out of traffic or someone's about to sack a span out and gain like 15, 20 yards. He also had that nice little touchdown run where he stuck his foot in the dirt, cut the other way, got the six. But if you're comparing him to even guys in our conference, you got a Jaden Daniels, you got a Dorian Thompson Robinson, you got a couple other guys who are probably faster than Shuck. Again, has a little bit of mobility, but to consider him an elite dual threat, that's a bit of an overstatement. I think a lot of people may be thinking this is some crazy dual threat quarterback. I mean, he's got, he can move, but he ain't a freaking like <laughs> elite speed. Let, let's just keep it 100. But with the exception of that, did solid enough for his first game, got the W, and we'll need to really see more before anyone can make a true analysis. Bottom line is, Oregon's our chance for a national championship and look great in week one. And, or excuse me, but they'll need to play better to make this a reality. So, if you're just a, not, like, you know, just a guy who likes watching Pac 12 football, cheer for the Ducks. We all want to see a team in the national championship. I picked Washington to win the conference and I fully stand behind that pick. But, I mean, like, they don't have a chance now. You cannot put them in the championship. So, Oregon's our chance, man. Oregon is absolutely it. Cal's out now. Utah's out. Dub's out, as I stated. So, yeah, it's Oregon. And USC, forget about those guys. Play better football. I don't know what y'all did. I'm actually now going to kind of go completely off script here. And it looks like I have a little bit more time than previously planned. So, I will touch very, very briefly on the other two games in conference. Like, I'm talking like, 10 second, 20 second analysis brief, but got a little more time than I thought y'all can still have a life and y'all can still hear this while having a life. So when you're looking at Colorado, UCLA, big win for Carl Durrell offense came out. What's the name of that running back again? He killed it this week. I'm blanking on the name of the running back at like 180 yards and three touchdowns. Whoever the frick his name is, he had a very good day and they may have found 
a first option. I thought in the offseason it's going to be Fontenot or Mangham, but whatever that guy's name is who I'm blanking on right now, great game. Looking at UCLA, Chip Kelly, bro, you're done. Like, you're done. Like, you, your teams don't play defense. How do you fall behind 28 points to the Buffs? Come on, man. The Buffs may not be as bad as some of us probably expected, but they're definitely not an elite team, and you're going to allow, like, 700 points? I mean, that's not that's not going to get done. UCLA, the Bruins are going to be trash again. So, for Colorado, important win. Cool to see how they'll perform going forward. I mean, they're 1-0. I don't know if a lot of people expected that. And UCLA, absolute trash. Trash. Throw in the trash bag. Get Chip Kelly out of town. Looking at WCU Oregon State, I actually didn't get eyes on this game. I got eyes on all the other games this week. So I'm not going to sit here and BS like I know something, like I know, no, 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 something that I don't watch. You know what I'm saying? But all I can say is from the final score is that Oregon State, you had to win that. You had to win that. And I don't see things looking good for the Beavs going forward. For the Cougs, they got that 1-0 victory. That game was pivotal for both programs. Whoever lost was going to be in a dire state. And that's Oregon State. Whoever won has a chance to get to that maybe 3-3 market best in the season. And the Cougs got that first win under Rolovich. So that was impressive for Oregon State, though. They're in that UCLA boat. (laughs) Not that bad. Not that bad. But for Oregon State... Just that loss hurts. And I cannot stress enough how much they lost last year. Losing Jake Luton and Isaiah Hodgins, that's that's a dagger. I don't know if they can overcome that. I just don't. I thought they were going to be able to beat the Cougs, and they couldn't get it done. So that's it for those games. The two takeaways I really want you to take away is that USC, step your freaking stuff up. That is just awful. In Oregon, you need to play a lot better. That was not an impressive performance. Did not look like a college football playoff team. But you are an elite and great team. That is one thing that we really need to understand as Pac-12 fans. So, hopping over here to Bartlett's random topic of the day. Going to take a little bit more serious of a tone. And this is something that... There's a lot of cliches thrown around Veterans Day. I'm not going to make a joke. I want to, but I respect from veterans. I'm be serious for a second here. Like, people always say, you know, salute our troops or these guys give you our freedom. But let's just break that down what that really is. Like, I'm sitting here talking to y'all, yelling at y'all, talking ish about some programs about Pac-12 football because people are risking their lives for me to do so. And I don't want to get into too gory details because that's not what we're here for. No sensationalism type crap. But losing your brother on the field, your friend, watching your friend die, we will not go further than that. That is a tough way to earn a paycheck. And those are for the ones who make it out. So there needs to be an extremely high level respect for veterans Again, I can only do this. I can only go shopping. I can only I can only live my life because of their service. And we're in a high tension political time right now. I'm not touching politics, but we're in a very high tension political times. And regardless of who you preferred for president, the reason we can vote and have this democracy is because of the veterans. The reason we can listen to our respective candidates is because of our veterans. In other countries around the world, This is not a reality. 
not even not even a thought. You say one thing and you can seriously be taken away and disappear by the government. But in America, we have people overseas and at home fighting for our right for freedom of speech. And two two people in my life I'm thinking of here, we're not veterans. Like I said, I have no family members, but my best friend in college, my first time in college, because <laughs> I'm going to be a little joke. I told you I went to college twice, but my best friend, my first time in college, probably my best friend over both 10 years. But um, he actually, his dad was like a very high up general and uh, he chose to join the service, the army after college. Uh, it wasn't actually his original plan. I believe he wanted to be a teacher in Korea. I believe it's called an Osan teacher. So he'd be um, kind of like on an American base teaching um, Korean um, kids essentially. I, I'm not, I don't get the exact logistics. Anyways, back to the point here. And my friend, um, so he's in service. And, you know, he's a good looking guy. Uh, has a pretty cool life. Has, you know, obviously able to support himself has a beautiful wife, and uh, has what many people would think of as maybe an ideal life after or during service. And I'm very happy to see that for him. Great guy, always hardworking and humble, and it's really cool to see that. And I think that that is maybe sometimes the picture that's painted. My friend has this ideal life, and this is what they want you to think about the service. But on the other side of the spectrum here, um, there's this guy I know at work, and I work at a, uh, like I said, a Catholic school daycare. If you've been listening to the show for a while, and I always, I always talk to this janitor, um, custodian, I guess I should call him. And he, he was also in the service, but he's been homeless. Um, probably by the looks of him, had a rough life. And I'm not here to spouse some political nothing, but you need to respect that this guy is still a veteran. I think that a lot of people may look at that guy and think, oh, look at that janitor. He's missing some teeth. You know, he, he talks maybe, maybe doesn't have the best communication skills and look at him and judge him. This guy protected your damn freedom, bro. You, you know what I'm saying? So I can't tell you what to think if for some reason you don't want to support our veterans. Do you? I mean, I can't tell you what to think, but for me, I, I just have nothing but love and respect and admiration. And can I think of any more cheesy words? Maybe I can, maybe I can't. But again, I can sit here and bullshit and say what I want to do and go to the store later and just live my life because of the veterans. And there's a lot of quotes, but it would not be possible without them. And I really think that needs to be respected. So that's my take on Veterans Day. Concluding today's show, boy, is it good to have football back for uh, I'm taking that deep breath, man. We had a couple of passion rants today. So good to have football back. Y'all can actually get mad at me now for actual football games instead of preseason speculations. In terms of what we learned on the field, I wouldn't say there are any groundbreaking results, but USC definitely showed they're not elite. And Oregon is our only hope of making the college football playoff due to the cancellations of Cal, Utah, and Washington. For the smaller schools, briefly touched on, and we're not, we're, you're not going to get the conclusion. I gave you some love, anyways. So again, USC needs to perform better. Oregon needs to really perform better as well, but is our only hope of making the college football playoff. And everyone, please show respect to our veterans, no matter what. I hate cliches, but this stuff is real, hundred percent. If it wasn't for their service and risking their lives, I cannot say Cheetos and tuna at the end of my show. I'm out. Cheetos and tuna.